Welcome to PlanEvents.ca podcast. This is episode 10, and this is Kamran, your host. And today, out of Toronto, or I'm sorry, Markham, Shirley will, 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 will correct me at some point. So out of Ontario, we've got Shirley Wu. Um, she is a makeup artist, and I'm sure she does more. And if she does more, she will tell us now in her intro. Shirley, why don't you uh, go ahead and do a quick intro before we kind of deep dive into your background, your story, and um, what you've been up to in terms of um, makeup artistry. Okay, thanks for having me. Uh, I am, um, okay, in few words to say, uh, to say is I do, um, I do all, everything in one as a very create, like a creative director that directs and coach uh, bridals and in the beauty, all, everything about beauty. Got and, it. Uh, yeah. Do, do you, do you do that for specifically brides or do you also train other aspiring make aspiring makeup artists as well? Um, yes, I do um, bridal as well as at the same time I do uh, train other makeup artists and um, I do a lot more coaching as well. So uh, people who already have done makeup and then there is a lot of like in different areas that they need to be coached like in terms of like styling in terms of like editorial all the different areas like even like the hair and all that so I am there to coach them uh, this is pretty much what I um, do and at the same time I do coach and train also oh okay that's awesome mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, I I know it's kind of mixing it up so I, I was saying Toronto and Markham, but those two cities are like an hour and a half apart, I think, if I remember correctly. Where are you located uh, particularly? And then where is your business located? Okay, well, Markham is where we live, and it is half an hour from Toronto. Um, <laughs> our business, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, I was way uh, off. No, yeah, so it's not that far. Um, in the, uh, our businesses are one in, in Woodbridge, one and the other location is in Mississauga, which okay. is near Square One. It's it's in the middle. It's in the heart of actually downtown Mississauga. I see. And mm -hmm. I've seen you know just based. So a kind of quick background. Um, you know, I have a cousin, and I have cousins that live in uh, Scarborough, and one of them mm -hmm. mentioned your name, and so that's when I kind of started looking into what you do. And uh, I did notice that that you do obviously do um, some catering towards like South Asian brides. Do you primarily focus on South Asian brides or do you do like other types of ethnic um, bridal makeup? Um, yeah, I mean, I the reason why I've been doing a lot of South Asian uh, makeup is because uh, my background, well, I'm Chinese and uh, being brought up in Pakistan. So... That's how I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, South Asian weddings. And um, and then I do other weddings as well. So all depends. It's just I have a lot more bookings that uh, South Asian uh, brides that book me and take their spots. So it's kind of, you know, so it's that's why you see a lot more South Asian as uh, and less of the other time because it's just like it's just how the booking goes. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Yeah, that was one of the interesting points that I got from my cousin. She mentioned that, um, you know, your your ethnic background is essentially uh, from China, but you're raised in uh, Pakistan, uh, particularly it sounded like in Lahore. I don't, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. I've done that in Lahore. And um, so I was um, like 14 when I started in the beauty industry with my with my mom's cousin and uh, by 16 and a half, almost 17, I, um, my mom and myself opened a first salon. So since in, then, in, Pakistan. in Lahore, yes. Yeah, in Lahore. Oh, in Lahore, okay. In Lahore, yeah. And so now I have done like second generation, you know, like the, I've done the mother and then the brides that who get married here or the, or the group room that is married and you know I'm doing their bride they said I've done their mother or the aunt or somebody you know related in in from Lahore okay that's really it's hmm. really interesting so uh were you born in Lahore or did you go there at a younger age 
Oh, okay. I was uh, I was born in India. I was born in okay. Calcutta. And then we moved, my dad and my mom, we moved to uh, Bangladesh. At that time, it was East Pakistan. Okay. And then we stayed there. And afterwards, then there was like the, the civil war that happened in 72. Then we moved to, um, to Karachi. We were on okay. a boat for like one month. And we were supposed to be there for like, you know, a, a week. But it took us a month because the war started, and um, yeah, we were in the middle of the of the sea with nowhere to go because the war started. And then finally, um, Abu Dhabi people, you know, they came and helped us with um, with some food and and all that. Um, and then finally, we reached Karachi, and that's when from Karachi, then my dad came. Then then we started, uh, you know, moving to. Then we moved to Lahore, and that's how I started business and uh, my beauty industry wow that's that's super interesting so mm-hmm. i know this is kind of on a tangent but I, i've actually never met like a chinese background that, that was essentially you know born and brought up in the indian subcontinent so like growing up i guess like how many languages do you know uh i speak well we speak chinese and i speak hakka um hakka is a dialect from um is is from is from southern China. It's very close to Canton. It's in Canton, but it's very close to Hong Kong. Um, and then I speak uh, Hindi. Like Hindi, Urdu is a, very similar. It's the same. And then Punjabi and English. Oh wow, that's very, that's that that is a very I think valuable <laughs> versatile language that especially Canada. Right? I know. I yeah. <laughs> I, when when brides and everybody come, you know, the family come, they feel very comfortable. I feel very comfortable being with them and talking to them. And it's like I feel when um, actually I don't even feel like that I'm like Chinese. I, in fact, I feel like I'm I'm like Indian. I'm brown, right? Right. Well, you were born and, uh, there, right? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's really. I mean, when I when it's in Markham, in fact, when I sometime attend some events and something i i really don't know any of them like you know the the chinese community um but when i go when i'm in mississauga and doing attending all the um all the indian community is like it feels so comfortable it's like part of you know part of them part of us we're just together right yep that's actually interesting you know i was born in in the u.s um Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom is uh, from Pakistan. My dad's from Bangladesh. So I'm f- kind of familiar with both mm. both sides of, of the area. But I, I don't speak like Urdu, Hindi or um, Bengali. Bengali. Not, I understand it, uh. but I don't speak it. So, I mean, because I, f- I was born here. So I feel I, I, I connect really well with people here, regardless of their background. If they were like born, mm-hmm. in- I connect with them. So I totally understand that makes sense so kind of going back to uh makeup artistry was your family in that in that industry even when they were in india and bangladesh or was that something new yeah well my uh my my uncle my uh, my dad's brother older brother and the two 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 daughters um was in in india at that time in calcutta delhi so they were in the in the uh, in the beauty industry as well uh, one in hyderabad and then the other one was in delhi then and then most of, see what happened is when the chinese uh, came from china back in the early 1900 um so they came after i think it's revolution or something so they came um they came out everybody all the hakka travel hakka means guests so they, oh, okay. they, yeah, so guest means, so they go to different places and then they find uh, livelihood and then they will settle in there. And they're very, very close knit and they're always about, you know, they whatever work they do, they, they monopolize like everything. Like for example, in India, if you go to India, you go to Tangra, mm-hmm. it's about leather. So my dad is does leather tannery. So the whole Chinese community bought the entire leather uh, business from India because they found Hindu, they don't touch leather, right? So they said, oh, right, oh, right. This is the, yeah, so that's the huge opportunity. So they have a huge lands that they're from swamp, they made into tanneries and factories and all into leather. Um, oh, I never even thought about that. 
Yeah. So then, so that's <laughs> that's one. So that's one work, one one uh, job they did, the the business. And then the other business they started up is like a shoemaking. They make shoes. They customize shoes. So during like um, puja and all the Diwali, all different Eid everybody they know then the chinese are known for making shoes my grandfather was a shoemaker my actually my father-in-law is a shoemaker so all that back in india um and then um oh and then the next one is restaurant and then the other one for women for ladies was salon okay i so, see that makes sense mm -hmm. so back then whether it is in india um bombay delhi um, Bangladesh in we were in Dhaka so we had like if you actually I don't know if you asked your mom or you're somebody that related if you ask about Mayfair in Dhaka someone Mayfair. would probably know about that salon Mayfair mm -hmm. okay I will Mayfair. ask, I will yeah. ask both of them. <laughs> my dad's actually from a, a, a small village that I think is like six hours from Dhaka but um, mm. I think you both lived in Chittagong before yeah oh you you're, okay yeah yeah, my, my uh, dad is from some village. It's not even on, on a map, but I'm sure he would probably know about Mayfair because he went to, to college in Dhaka, so I'm sure he would know about it. Probably would know. Your mom, if you ask, maybe somebody would know Mayfair, you know? Sure. And um, so, yeah, so that's how then Mayfair, one of our cousins then moved to Karachi. Then we had a salon there. I mean, uh, and then and then also in in Lahore, Islamabad, everywhere. So so women used to do all the um, uh, you know beauty because they had long hair. You know, girls mm -hmm. had long hair, and they need all the aesthetics. So you know, they found out that oh, this is perfect, and then they don't have to uh, uh, be out. And you know, because back then, oh, you know, it's just a little bit more. Um, People were like, girls don't want to go out, and especially when we, we are like a foreign, as a foreigner, uh, living in, in, in Pakistan or India, they say, you know, it's just like, um, just stay in doing work with women, right? Doing some right. beauty. So that's, that's how they started doing beauty. They need, wow. they, they, they know that they need aesthetic. They need their, their you know, uh, face threaded, wax, the hairs are long, they need haircut, they need color, they need to straighten the hair. So they found that, like, you know, so it was like huge, like everybody, even if you ask like other that says, oh, Chinese, oh yeah, definitely will go there. I mean, they do the best haircut they do, they, because they work really hard, right? They make sure then they really respect the clients. That's that's really interesting. So w when you were in uh, Pakistan, would you consider like that time in Lahore kind of the critical period for developing your uh, your skills and, and expertise in like beauty and hair and kind of the, all of the creative aspects around that? Or do you think that happened mostly in Canada? Um, no, it happened, you know, when you... I mean, everybody grows, right? As, as you grow, you, you, with your experience, you're going to learn every day, you know, different things comes. And then um, as time goes by, you become more experienced with everything and say, okay, this happens this. So you learn from different uh, experience, correct? Sure, yeah, correct. Yeah, so when we were growing up, they were, I mean, we did go to, the first initial few years was definitely with my, uh, one of my um, cousin, which is, she was my mentor. She was like the most elegant um, girl, woman ever. Um, so I looked up to her and she was my, like I says, my mentor, my coach, my everything. Um, so from that, and then afterwards, then we did go, I, I did go to, you know, um, to Bangkok and Hong Kong. Um, we did like Tony and Guy, like, you know, like some of the refresher courses and things like that. So when you bring back, it's like different, it's like, you grow, right? As as you grow, like, so sure. everything else too. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm just thinking like a lot of my, Growing and learning from my life experience was a lot with people around there, whether it is good or whether it is not. Right? Um, so we have good and we have we have obviously some negatives people too. Right? So you learn from both the things. You, I mean, from both 
what type of people. Sure. And so I, how uh, how long did you spend kind of practicing in Lahore? Lahore about ten uh, at least. Um, Twenty. Let me think. Uh, um, I would say twelve years. Okay, so that you weren't just there mm-hmm. for like one. And I assume that, and I'm I, I'm kind of a history buff, and I know that I don't think my audience is necessarily a history buff, but I think it's still interesting. So I assume <laughs> that the re- I assume the reason for leaving Bangladesh was during that time um, when Bangladesh was trying to split off from Pakistan. I believe like they had to right. the the, Bing- uh, the Bengali freedom fighters, or I, I don't know what to call it, but the extreme Bengalis were basically kicking out anybody who didn't speak Bengali, right? Right, so that's when there were the war. So we we were okay because I mean Chinese, um, but uh, yeah, because it was just going getting really bad. So we all like left. So that was the last boat that actually one of our very my dad's very good friend asked this. Uh, he was a friend with the with the navy, and they said, "Can you please you know open up another another ship so that the children and women elderly can leave." And then we men can stay back till like whenever, whatever, however, you know, the war. So they sent us, that was the last boat call. Actually, my mom just told me, you know, it's called Rustam, was was the boat. And then we all left. My mom was actually um, pregnant with my brother and my grandmother. So it was a really, I mean, I remember that. But it was it was really hard. It wasn't easy, and the the plane was flying over the ship, and you know, almost to bomb us. And said, you know, they thought, and then we had they had to paint all the you know uh, potholes and you know the the windows and everything to make it dark, just to say that this is a cargo ship or something. Yeah, yeah. So they wouldn't know that there's people in there in, in like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, it was scary. Yeah, because a lot of uh, I know a lot of people that were not Bengali. They a lot of them end up going to Pakistan. You know, not not just Chinese mm-hmm. people, but like any like a lot of Urdu speaking people that happen yes. to be in mm-hmm. Bangladesh ended up migrating mm-hmm. to West Pakistan. So that's, that's interesting. That's right. That's right. So, so that was it. That was the time. So going to, into your time in Pakistan, you spend about twelve years. I don't know how Pakistan was then, and. and Quite frankly, I haven't been back since 1998, so I don't really know what it's like now. But if I'm basing Pakistan off of what I see um, off of television and then kind of what I see, it's, I assume it's still relatively a conservative society, you know, for women in particular. And if, and, and if that doesn't sound right, you know, you can tell me. But assuming that it, 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 it was, it, you know, was it a conservative society when you were uh, practicing in Lahore? And what was, you know, what was the clientele and style you worked with over there? Because I assume, you know, people here in the West, you know, South Asian people, they dress like anybody else here, right? But over there, there's a certain way I assume, you know, women are expected to, you know, be not show too much or kind of not draw too much attention. I'm kind of wondering, like, does that resonate with you? Um, you know, okay, back then it may be a little bit conservative, but still our clientele was all very modern. They don't really cover, they have like parties, they still, you know, do all the Western people, you know, like what they would do. They they, they travel, they have um uh, the, the clients that we, we have, like that they come to us and um they are into all polo sports and they have you know like coffee morning and then people will come even twice a day to if it's a very hot day they will come like twice a day to get their hair styled and blow dry and do different things so um i mean i still remember that people were there we had to tell them to stop smoking because (laughs) it was giving it was giving us like really bad allergies like you know they would smoke they will have like we have ashtrays like every in every station right that women women are like big in smoking and you know everything so uh, if you see it that way i don't think at that time it was like that conservative was still really modern now it's like it's just totally like the western i mean there is a portion like a part of the community that's like super modern like 
you know, sure. party dresses, like short tops and, you know, all that. But during the lunchtime, I think girls still wear like, they're, they're very, very modern as well. But, you know, when they go to places, they just make making sure that it's not like so revealing and especially to the market if they go and they don't, you know, do that too much because usually they do all their shopping in Dubai or in London too. I see. I yeah, see. and then they have their boutiques, you know, very niche kind of, you know, uh, private boutiques and all they go. And otherwise, if you, yeah, if you look at the entire, like, the country and all that, they are, yeah, it, it is still kind of, you know, more on the, on the more of a conservative side. Sure, okay. That makes sense. So when did you come to to Canada to Canada slash Canada? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ninety one. Okay. Okay. So so you've been in Canada for some time, and were you? Yeah. Did you jump straight into you know makeup artistry and kind mm-hmm. of? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first came, I was um I, I was just like I I used to come like in the summer and then go back in winter time until later I got married and then, you know, I had my, um, so I didn't go back with the, with the kids and everything, but I used to travel. And then what happened is at that time, the girls used to, I mean, now that's the first generation, uh, girls that growing up and getting married. And then now they go back to Pakistan to get shopping. So when they go back, they come to the salon. So my mom said, oh, where are you from? You know, and they said, oh, I'm from Canada, something, whatever. And they said, oh, my daughter is there. Here's the number. So they will contact. So that's how um, I've been doing my summer wedding. And then I will go back to Lahore to do my winter work. Oh, because wow. Weddings, yeah so winter they, they have like, opposite wedding seasons right exactly so by november <laughs> i'm like there by october actually end of october uh, october i'm there so i do october november december january february and then march i'll be back okay got mm-hmm. it is that yeah. still how you do business you, you kind of split it between canada and pakistan and, uh, no no so i i i'm now permanently here i haven't gone back since like i don't know it's been i think it's almost like 19 years now that I've been oh, wow. back. Uh, yeah. So then my sister and all is there. Um, I, we have four sister and a brother. So my brother, um, they're, they're all here now. So then my other two sister was um, doing in Pakistan, like she then now they're into the more of a, a different era. So the, the trend has changed, of course, like, you know, until now is like, everything is just so modern. Um, it is it had completely changed 360 with the with with the clientele and you know with with people how they live and yeah there's so much money there you know i i believe that Hmm. so kind of going back to your time in canada when you first came to ontario did you immediately kind of jump end up jumping well I wouldn't say did you jump into the South Asian wedding market but I think did, did you start having a lot of South Asian clients when you first started because I actually started don't up, know I don't oh, know how many what the population was like in the early 90s you know compared to now yeah, early oh yeah now is like early 90s I have to make you know my own uh, dessert and sweets and everything because it was so hard to find um but now it's like you don't have to worry about anything there's so much out there but um yeah it wasn't that big but like as i said the first generation have been started to to you know started getting married and all that so i was I, it all went from like word of mouth like one family to the next and to the next so i started off with the pakistani community because that's who I, you know, from where they know me from. Right. And then um, eventually, like, you know, when through the Pakistani, they will have like Indian friends and somebody and, you know, all that word out. So then I did a lot of like Gujarati and I had like a Jewish clientele. Um, So Jewish, Pakistani, and then um, Gujarati, then eventually like Punjabi. And, you know, now it's all like all mixed. That's really awesome. So I, any, what have the trends, like the beauty trends been like for, you know, South Asians in Canada, you know, starting from whenever you first mm, mm-hmm. you know, started getting so, really involved? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. It has evolved like uh, 360. I remember when they, I, I feel Pakistani. So we have like different clients, right? So, right. so Pakistani brides are, um, what the okay, so there are few. So the people who are born here is kind of a more of a, like everything is just kind of more mellow, kind of like the style. And they were like really, uh, more conservative about the colors. They don't want to have anything too bright and um, they just want to have everything more subtle. And there's some people that who is married, a girl from, from Pakistan or from India, they are more into, yeah, let's, you know, let's do a little bit more bold and, and all that look. Um, I find Punjabi at that time, the it has totally evolved. It was like much more simpler. Now is like I think because it's all social media driven and people see and they they they're not as like they say not as afraid to try different things, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they see I, I they get more familiar with the with the style with the look and say okay it's it's norm but I I feel myself like I always tell my brides that you know you have to feel good about yourself you know it's who you are you don't want it to be get pressured by what society is seeing or what they wanted to see you have to be comfortable because it's your wedding. Um, I always bring in a little bit of a trend um, attached to it, but most of my client, my brides, I do a very classic, timeless uh, look. I see. So, because the the common types of so first off, I don't know, I I, I don't want to discredit myself, but I want to be very, <laughs> very clear that I don't really know anything about makeup, and so I can only go off of what I see on. Is essentially I, a lot of contouring. Yeah. <laughs> like everything seems like a variation of a contour. Unless I don't understand what contours are. And I guess how okay. does something like that differ from I guess what you would what you would consider a classic look? Okay, so basically anything, it's like uh, makeup is an art, like, you know, so our faces have like high and low, correct? So we have right. like the, 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 you know, we have high part, we had low part, and we have like, um, so different, different um, skin tones, like all, we are human, so we don't have... Uh, one skin tone. So eyes could be a little bit darker underneath and then you might probably have a little bit of a discoloration underneath the, uh, um, let's say, you know, like your chin or maybe the cypress or something, however, wherever, right? So what it does, so now, okay, so contouring has become really big since one day Kim Kardashian walk out, you know, from the hotel room and um, coming down and it says like, whoa, what is that? Like, you know, so people like it caught their eye because it's like that back then Kim K was that had the reality show. So everybody was like, you know, so n until now um, they talk a lot about and they do, um, you know, highlighting and contouring. But highlighting and contouring has been there ever since the art has been there. Like, you know, oh. it's painting. So it's like when, when you paint, there's always a high and low. If you actually study painting, um, there's a cone and the light, where the light hits it, where you have the shadow and you have the brightness, that's what the highlighting and the contouring does. So the contouring takes away, push back, because it's dark, right? Push right. back. The, the features that doesn't you don't want to show as much and then the highlight brings out the feature that you wanted to show oh, okay that's so mm-hmm and then people then sometimes go overboard to go like the highlighting um and it look like a street of lights you know across their cheeks right right <laughs> And then underneath is like a big darkness that is like do so much to a point that you look like a mal, you know, nourished person that you're not even healthy. <laughs> so, right. <coughs> excuse me. So, so, uh, so do you, uh, go for it. Go, no, go ahead. So when, <coughs> uh, when a bride comes in to, to get service, do you, 
do they typically come with like some example that they want to yeah. go with or is it typically you provide the examples i mean i'm trying to under understand like does a bride typically come in knowing approximately what they want or is it kind of like more of a collaborative effort trying to figure that out 100 percent it is a collaborative um uh, you know the style um it is always nice that i always ask my bride said given some samples to show because you know what if she's thinking something and i'm not you know getting so with with a visual i'd be able to you know identify what is her style like what is she looking right for and once i see that and then also understand where she's looking because sometimes she just look at something let's say a bride look at something oh this look is beautiful but when we start pointing it out, you say, oh, no, 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 this is what I'm not looking. I'm looking for this. So so I go step by step um, to see is that the eye, what, what does she look, what does she like out of that, you know, from that, uh, from that picture? Um, is, it, is it her tone? Is it the, is it the eyes? Is it is the looks or what, what is it, right? So then I, I sit down and understand them and, um, and then we always customize what suits her the best. Got it. Do you ever uh, run into situations where a bride has an example of, of what they want to look like? And, you know, maybe the the reality is that look might just not be good for the bride. Maybe the bride mm -hmm. would, would be better with another look. Do you ever run into situations like that? Um, yeah. So let's say they show me a style for example just give i'm just going to give a just an example some but something like let's say a smoky eyes right sure. um she loves smoky eyes but then when i look at the her features i know that we can do smoky but something a little bit different that will really really complement her features and her eyes and the the look that um will be what her outfit is and the features um, I will let her know though that this is this is great. I mean, I but I would like to show her something that I feel it's you know that will really complement her. Some brides, actually, most of the brides are very open to that. Say, yeah, they would love to see it. And then also, I would also show her the style that she is looking for. Then she can see it for herself, so that I'm not picking it for her. I will just say right. that. As a professional, I will show, I will give my opinion. And um, then I will also do the other, what she asked for, so that she can decide on her own. Because once the makeup is done, you can see, I mean, there is no, you can, like the mirror will not lie to you, right? And you will know whether you like it or you don't. I agree, yeah. It's uh, mm -hmm. funny, in um, one of uh, our earlier podcast episodes, I think it was like, episode four or five i can't remember the, mm -hmm. there was a guest and the guest he ties uh custom turbans like he hand ties them and he hand ties mm -hmm. them for like any various ethnic group in, in south asia or you know any religious group it's not tied to a particular religion or ethnicity mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he was kind of saying that he will run into a situation where, uh, where a groom says he points to a guy in a picture with a turban and, he, and the guy is saying that he wants that turban and you know he is the turban tire is has to be kind of has to be honest and say like you know that might look good on that person because their face is structured a certain way and you know their head is a certain size but mm -hmm. for you it might be better to go with like another turban so i i i i think i personally would prefer if somebody is kind of a professional at something i would just go with what they would recommend even like when i go get my hair cut the when i when that was a long time ago like two months ago but when i do get haircuts you know the 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 barber will ask me what do i want to do? my sideburns and then it's like i don't want to think about that just do what you think is best i, I trust your judgment and and if it sucks then i'll just live with it because i'd rather have you make the call to me so that makes sense so are, are and then i mm hmm so that's that's good. I mean, like, but what happened is what's the difficult challenge that that there's some of the challenges that we face is like, um, it for me is like not so much because you know when when they ask, I because of through the experience, I you know talk to them in a way that you know 
what makes, uh, uh, how do I say that? Um, yeah, like basically I just let them know that, okay, so this is um, what I feel and, um, you know, and then they, they would do, I mean, like I said, they would listen and says, okay, but some, sometimes they, they don't. And um, so it, it is a little bit harder for people who cannot understand and do not see it. So then what we have yeah, to do Yeah, so you, is, you make a recommendation and then if they take it, they take it. And if they don't, yeah. then they don't. They don't, then I, yeah, it's not, not many times it happens like that because they do, you know, when we show them and I like to show them visual. So not just saying that, oh, this is not this and I'm not going to do that for you. I will, I will let them know why I'm not doing it. So that's for the, uh, yeah, no, I, I give them the, um, what's the benefits of them not having it or having it. Right. Yep. That makes sense. And you know, as now I'm kind of curious, we haven't touched on it because I think enough people touch on this to begin with, but with like COVID-19, as eventually as things open back up, do you foresee any changes, not necessarily in the trends and the way people want to look, but do you see any changes in perhaps how you might actually go about styling somebody? Or, or, or do you think you might have to start having... Um, some sort of protective gear to kind of keep distance or anything like that. I, Cause I don't know what the solution is. So I've been kind of curious uh, how, how makeup artists might solve for something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny though. Oh, there was one on, um, on Instagram that she did. Um, uh, she, she did, she, she put a, um, a mask and they did a makeup over the mask and we were like, laughing about it <laughs> they, she drew her lips on the mask and it was like you know and she put foundation on the mask so that it looks the same skin everybody was like why is she doing that it's just like total waste of you know the mask and everything right but uh, sure. it's just it's just a creative part i mean there's just people people just love you know all that open discussion but uh um yeah i mean when it happened when it's actually in the words of like starting, they didn't talk about closing it, you know, the non-essential um, businesses and everything. Uh, by last week of March, we still had a like a, a, a bride that came in. So we made sure like there's nobody else come in. It's just like for her. And uh, we did like gloves and mask gears and, and all that and stayed like nothing so close and you know so that was the last one that we did like at that time then after that everything was closed oh now you, yeah sorry do you think uh, and so do you think that in the future when things open back up do you have any idea of how you might go about treating clients and i haven't talked to anybody that knows the answer to this mm -hmm. so if the answer mm -hmm. is like don't know it is completely like normal in, in this uh, no, I don't think it will be like in the beginning. It cannot be just like today is like this and tomorrow is normal, right? It's it mm -hmm. will be like right now we are so used to like even making sure when we go out, we have the gloves, we have the mask, we have uh, our, you know, hand sanitizer and everything. So it's just become a norm that now, like if we come in the car, we put on a sanitizer in our hand and the gloves, we take off the gloves. So we are just more conscious about what we are, what, where we, what, what we are touching and then what we have touched and what, and then the next thing is like, you know, we can't, we don't want to put anything in our mouth or putting rubbing our eyes or anything. It wasn't as casual. It won't be as casual. Definitely would not be like that. Um, so we were just talking about it that once it's open, we will probably have to give that distancing from one client to another and then booking in, in a way that we have to give them a different time slot, different, you know, yeah. Yeah. all that and spaces. Like we have a, a Mississauga location is like 2,300 square foot. So we were like saying that, okay, maybe... Um, three of them can be in one room or something like that, right? And then right. another one in another room and another one in another room. So another maybe three in another room. So, you know, and then we have the other um, studio, which is uh, which is about 6,000 uh, 6, square feet. So then we will be probably distancing a lot of different chairs in the different areas. 
Um, yeah, that makes sense. It actually, I mean, I have I, that actually. It seems like reasonably good uh, approach to kind of planning for get, going slowly back into some level of normalcy. That's you know, one right. of the um, one of the patterns that I've been seeing, um, and I know we're almost up on time, but I, I we'll cover a couple other points. But uh, one mm-hmm. of the things I've seen is a number of uh, brides. You know, they're able to get like refunds on their deposits. One of the common ones that uh, they can't that seem to get the refunds on deposits for is often like the makeup and artistry work. And I don't mm-hmm. know why the reason is. I don't know because like, actually, I just don't know why. It's just, it's just like, I've, I've heard various reasons, something about like makeup artistry being uh, a job that requires being up, up close to doing the job. But like at the same time, like, they have to maintain social distance, so then they cannot do the job. So then they just don't give the refund back. I don't okay. have like. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, everybody yeah, has it. a different. Yeah. Okay. So sounds good. And okay. So basically, we all here like even before COVID, our policy is um, anything like in I, what other people do. They have different policies, but. We always have been like it's always been non-refundable, non-transferable because what happened is it's booked um, so long in advance. Wedding is not just booked like you know a day, two days, or a week, right? So they're booked and they have to hold on to their spot for like the longest time. And um, and then what we do is for for the COVID uh, for this one, we are not. Uh, I mean, we are not asking any of our client to give back the, uh, I mean, to do the entire, you know, uh, payment of the, of the, of our services, but for the, um, for the deposit, they can use it to any other services or, um, or, or, or products they want oh, to okay. do. So, so they're not losing any, like a single penny. I mean, because we, we, we understand, right. And um, that is difficult, but uh, you know, it's, it's difficult. Everybody is in it. Everybody is like, having that hard time i mean now the whole year we don't we won't have any business and we will still have to pay the rent we still you know right. have all the other expenses to to go and to this pretty much i mean that i think they're talking about it that they don't have i mean the businesses and all will not be i mean they're going month by month but it almost seems like july nothing's going to happen yeah, like right? we don't even know. Even if we don't the... know, right? So pretty much, this the a summer wedding. Like March is gone, April weddings is gone, May is gone. Now is June, July, August. Some people are canceling, like postponing their their September wedding too now. So so that means it's going overlap to the next year. Then the next year wedding. Then you know we don't have the time. I mean, you can only do one wedding at that time you know yeah an artist right exactly so, so then it becomes a reschedule a rescheduling nightmare for people that are trying to find yeah, yeah. we time. are definitely rescheduling them like you know definitely uh, you know we're not even um saying oh now it's a new booking you're going to lose the deposit we're not even doing that we've been very very um making sure our clients is taken care of you know and some of our clients are so nice too because they'll say oh you know what we have we have i know it's just for a year and then it will be another time do we have to put an, another deposit we said no we will just carry it over to whichever day that you wanted to book we'll book you that yeah that seems that seems reasonable i think it's also mm-hmm. nice that sounds like your business also sells products so even if they chose to have to go with another makeup artist they still use the credit towards like product at your salons can do product they can use services you know people people come in for the pre-wedding services they come in there for the hair you know if they need to have the treatment done facials anything so they can use it for that 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 i think that makes it super flexible Mm because the likelihood of any of those things happening in your life more than once you know Mm -hmm. compared to just getting married or however Mm -hmm. many times you get married is 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 you know a lot more you're mo- a lot more likely to buy need to need product or to go get a facial you know on any, mm-hmm. on any day so that that seems reasonable yeah, uh, we actually did... we be... mm-hmm. yeah oh, no go, go for it. no no no, oh, no i didn't want to okay i was i was going to say like like our team actually did um did a survey 
of hmm. a little bit more than 250 people responded. And the question was, the survey question was, did you reschedule your wedding because of COVID-19? So out of about 251 people, 157 people said yes. So a lot of people are, are you know, making that call. And I think the folks that are still on the fence are probably my guess is they're waiting to see what everybody else does i mean uh are you talking about the vendors or the the bridal i mean the bride the bride the couple the, the, the bride oh, the couples, the, the, mm-hmm. the couples mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah yeah no for sure like all of them like they're they're so stressed out i mean they they have the dream wedding that oh my god my wedding is going to be happening this year and then they're also you know, uh, up in the air, doesn't know what to do. And, um, you know, so it's, I, I mean, I really feel for them as well. On top, they have so much stress and they're bright to be and groomed to be, right? They don't know they've given deposit to halls and everything. And then they have to work with everybody's schedule. So not just one person. And the thing is that like, we will try our best, like, you know, because we have a, a big team as well too. So um, if I'm that day, if I'm booked, or, or, you know, we've been working with a few brides and we've been working with the timing, say, okay, you come in this time, we come in that time, we staggered you and then you, we will get you done so that they're not uh, hanging up in the air. Now they have to find another person, right? Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's, I think the mm-hmm. point of stress is like having to find, another person who other person yeah exactly exactly so for us like you know we've been uh, quite uh, fortunate that we have an amazing team and then i tell my bride said you know just come in i will do a consultation with you with the artist and that way um you know you don't have to worry about anything we know what color you're going to do what what style everything from from the hair to dressing your dupatta, what style is going to be, everything. So we were taking care of them. So they have like one, at least they're they're, they're like one less stress to be, you know, worrying about that. Oh my God, what will I be? And then, you know, try like I said, trying to look for another vendor. Right, exactly. Awesome. Uh, so yeah. before we wrap up, are there any last, any tips? Uh, and it doesn't have to be necessarily related to COVID, you know, just in general. <laughs> tips for the brides can benefit from any learnings that you think they could learn from that you might have gained in treating other brides when it comes to getting getting your makeup done planning for your big day in relation to makeup and hair uh, definitely I always feel like the tips is um, uh, relax and uh, just uh, beauty from inside out take care of your inside uh, with uh, you know, uh, boost up the immune system. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be COVID, but in general too, because when you are planning the wedding, there's so much that you go to so many different appointments and all. And if you are um, not, if you don't have that strong immune system, you can get sick very easily, very quickly, and then that is not fun when you have to do all your wedding preps. Um, taking, I always say, you know, when you're hungry, you don't make the right decisions. And if you are anxious, anxiety would not, you will not make any good decisions. So always keep your mind calm and start off with a day with a good meditation, with a good positive mind. Wives go to work. If you have any appointments to go after work, take something with you, munch on something so that you can make right decisions. So you don't have a very, um, cloudy brain and you know so you have more energy and you're happier and when you're happier everybody will be happier around you too so i think giving out that positive vibes and staying um positive and staying happy and staying clear with your mind will really help you and others around you and you'll be able to get much more help for themselves so so sounds like a big emphasis on essentially mindfulness essentially Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I would hundred percent be mindful, being using your subconscious mind. You know, training that willpower is so much you can do, right? But then, if you bring in your subconscious mind, um, you will be um, you. You get that help. It will go a long way. Sure. Awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Is it over Instagram? Instagram is great because they get message, but may, um, let's see. Yeah. Well, Instagram is the, is the initial, um, contact, 
right? Um, okay. That yeah. I, I can, uh, you know, brides message me, they say, oh, you know, so then then later on, I definitely um, uh, send them our um, business um, email, business contact, and the person to contact, which is our booking team. Okay. They are so much, uh, you know, um, good in terms of like bookings and everything for me because it's hard. Instagram is sometimes, it's really hard because the name and the thing is like so different. And next thing you don't know where to find them. So yeah. I died. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Like their username so I mean, versus yeah, the real like, name. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then I right away direct them to, to be more, you know, professional and up to you know all the planning so that the brides are not getting anxious they say oh my god how come i didn't get the answer or whatever right at least when they email and leave their number and then we leave up a business number and our team number as well so uh, then they can connect with them with the for, for bookings and all that any other things like if it's not regarding about bookings i mean we always chat over the uh, you know through social media facebook or any whichever way right so we just chat yeah. um but booking with dates and everything all the important you know emails goes through directly to the business business got line. it okay and is okay so i'll in the description i'll include just at least the the your instagram um profile to both the shirley Wu official which i think that's that seems like your it's like personal slash business but I'll, should i also include um, your the other Instagram account for beauty yeah, concept official. Yeah, absolutely. So because if they go beauty concept, actually in my my Shirley Wu official, I do also have my beauty concept like the website up there. Okay. But so, sometimes because if I'm doing some kind of other events, it's not on. Then I have to put the event bride or something like that. But in the beauty concept, it's it's there all the time. Okay, got it. That makes sense. Awesome. Okay, well, I will include that information in the description of this podcast episode, and then I'll send you a link once it's up. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you have you a good night. Thank you for having me. You too. Bye, Cam. No problem. Bye. Bye.